Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. You ready to get into the Word today? All right. We're going to be in three different places. Please don't let this scare you. We're going to start in three different places. We're going to start in Genesis, and then we're going to be in Revelation. Please don't let that scare you. I'll still be, I'll still be done. I'm not preaching everything in between, but we're going to start Genesis 1. We're going to Matthew 3, and then we'll be in Revelation chapter 2. Genesis 1, Matthew 3, Revelation 2. If you would like the notes, if you'd like to follow along, like a list of all the scriptures, you can get that on the YouVersion Bible app. Look for, the, um, look for the event for this morning's service at Covenant Life Church, and it'll have everything you need right there. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Here's the key verse. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. This is the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on Jesus. And a voice, a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Pastor Robbie preached a great message from this passage just a couple of months ago for pastor appreciation. Here's Revelation chapter two. Revelation two, verse seven. This is the words of Jesus. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just come to you one more time and we just ask that you would help us to hear today. We know you're speaking. Lord, may we be hearers of your word and not just hearers, but doers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, listen, from the beginning of creation, as a matter of fact, before the beginning of the universe, God has had a voice. He has a voice. God speaks. People talk about the Bible being a 4,000-year-old book, but the reality is the Word of God has existed since eternity past. Everything that proceeds from the mouth of God is the Word of God. And the Word of God is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son. When Jesus was baptized uh, by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, God was still speaking. In this case, he spoke audibly. Listen, can I tell you something this morning? God is still speaking. He's still speaking. Not just 4,000 years ago, not just 2,000 years ago, but today he's still speaking. God has not lost his voice. God still has something to say in this day and in this hour. And if indeed there is a failure to communicate, the problem is not with the voice of the Lord. The problem is with the ears of the hearers. 
And that's why Jesus said to every church in the book of of Revelation, he wrote to seven different churches. He said the same thing to all seven of them. If you have ears to hear, you must listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. Now, let me say this right up front. If you're looking to hear the voice of God, if you're looking to know the will of God in your life, then you need to start with this book right here. The will of God is first and foremost written in this book, in the Bible. But I want you to hear this clearly. And I love how Pastor Robert Morris put this from Gateway Church. He said there is a general will of God and there is a specific will of God. The general will of God is found right here in the Word. And it's the same for everybody. It's the same for everybody. But there is a specific will of God that's spoken to you from God through His Spirit through various means. For example, if the question is, should I get a job? Then you can go to the word and the word says, if you don't work, you don't eat. The word says, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. The word says that everything you do should be done enthusiastically, including the work that you do so that people can see the good things that you do and the good ways that you do it and glorify and praise the Lord. So there's lots of scriptures that say, if you're not a student, you're not a homemaker or a caretaker, you're not retired or disabled or other some, some, some such situation, then yes, you need to get a job. If you want to know which job to choose, though, you're not going to find it in these pages, okay? Like you can't use a Strong's Concordance and find grocery store or, or, what, or whatever job you're looking for. If you want to know which job to choose, then that's a specific will of God for you in, in this time and in this place. And, and that's going to be spoken to you by the Holy Spirit as he leads you. Okay, so, but as believers, we need both the general will of God and the specific will of God. Now, at this point, some of you, and and at various points in my life, that's a source of frustration for you. Maybe even a sore spot. Because over, over almost 30 years of pastoral ministry, in many conversations that I've had with people, one of the most frequent refrains is, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know what he's saying to me? Like, what do I listen for or who or where do I listen to? Like, how does he speak? How do I know what he's saying and what he wants? And so that's the premise of a brand new series, three-part series that that we're going to start today between now and Christmas. And it's called, Do You Hear What I Hear? Do you hear what I hear? And it's not really about you trying to be like me. It's about us trying to hear the voice of God as he speaks. And so we're going to use the Christmas Christmas account in the Gospels, in Matthew and in Luke. And we're going to see the ways that God spoke, the ways that people heard the voice of God in the Christmas account. And we're going to use that as a template for us to figure out how we can hear from him now. Okay, you say, now listen, John, it would be much easier if God would just speak to us audibly the way he did at Jesus' baptism. And I would say, be careful what you ask for. Because there are many times in the word when he spoke audibly, absolutely scared the stuffings out of the people. All right, so maybe hearing the voice of God audibly is not what we always want. What we want is clarity, right? What we want is certainty. We want to know that what we're hearing is exactly what he's saying. But God does that in a lot of different ways. And so we want to look at some of those ways so that we can be better prepared to hear what God is speaking to us. 
Two very important principles before we dive into that, though. We need to talk about affirmation and confirmation. Affirmation and confirmation. First of all, affirmation. There is one surefire way to know that whatever voice you think you're hearing is not from God, and that is that it contradicts the Word of God. Anything that contradicts the Word of God is not from God. The voice of God always affirms the word of God and vice versa. God will not, as a matter of fact, God cannot contradict what he's already recorded in the written word. Because to do so would make him a liar and God cannot lie because he is truth. So if you think you hear God telling you something that goes against the Bible, if you, you are hearing the wrong voice. So let's go back to the job, the job hunt. If you say, John, I've got this really great opportunity to make some great money. Uh, this guy wants me to drive packages back and forth from Atlanta to Birmingham three times a week. I don't really know who this guy is. I don't really, I don't really know what's in the packages. Um, but it's like $500 every time I take the trip. And I really feel like God has put this opportunity in my pathway. So like, what do you think? I think you're dumb. I also think you're going to go to jail, right? God is not calling you to be a mule for, uh, for, for a drug cartel that violates the word of God, okay? So the, the general will of God says no. The specific will of God will never violate the general will of God as revealed in Scripture, okay? Everybody clear? So say no to that job offer. That is not God. Okay? Now, listen, here's the second. That's affirmation. Here's the second thing. Confirmation. Confirmation. The voice of God, through whatever means he's speaking to you uh, outside of the scripture, will confirm what he's already saying and doing in your life. Okay? These forms of communication we're going to talk about in this series will serve to confirm what God is already speaking or will be speaking to you at some point in the future. So don't go running off in some new direction because by, just based on something that you sense the Lord might be saying to you one time. Look for confirmation from other trusted people and from other things that God is already doing in your life. Okay, so affirmation and confirmation. Any communication that is truly from the Lord will be affirmed by the Bible and confirmed by other things or other trusted people in our lives, all right? Does that make sense? All right. So here we go. Let's get into one of the ways that God speaks to us today, and we'll see it in the, in the Christmas account, but we're going to start in a New Testament scripture that quotes an Old Testament prophet named Joel, um, and then we'll break it down from the passages from the Christmas account. Okay, so go to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. This is the day of Pentecost. Uh, then Peter stepped forward with the eleven, uh, the eleven other apostles, and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted uh, long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Today's message is called Dreaming 
of a right Christmas. Dreaming of a right Christmas. When you read this passage, theologians across the spectrum, whether they're liberal or conservative and everything in between, theologians agree that the day of Pentecost was the birthday of the New Testament church, the modern day church. That's what we just read about. The apostle Peter, having just been baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, stepped forward to answer the questions that were on the minds of thousands of Jewish pilgrims who had not only heard the sound from heaven, but also heard the sound of 120 people, believers, shouting the praises of God in a variety of, of languages from around the world. And so this is the birthplace of the church. And Peter reminds them of what had been prophesied by Joel hundreds of years before. And he tells them that one of the ways that God is going to speak to his church, to speak to his people during this new church age is through dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. God's been speaking to men and women for, through dreams and visions for millennia, for thousands of years. So, so let me ask you this. If God spoke to the founders of our faith through dreams and visions, why would he not speak to us that way as well? When you read the account of Christmas in the, in the Gospels in Matthew and Luke, you, you see God's fingerprints all over it. You, you see God giving instructions. He's communicating to multiple parties in multiple ways. But listen to me. The birth of Jesus would not have happened if it had not been for dreams and visions. You cannot take dreams and visions out of the story of Christmas. You say, well, of course, John. So like, calm down. This is like the most important event in the history of mankind. Of course, God's going to pull out all the stops. He's going to use dreams and visions and angels and all this stuff because God didn't want anybody to misunderstand. God didn't, he didn't, he wanted everybody to know what his will was and he didn't want anything to go wrong. Well, listen, can I ask you a question? Isn't God still unfolding his plan for mankind? Aren't we still on the calendar Aren't, we, aren't there still dates to, yet to be fulfilled on the, on the calendar of God's history for mankind? It, do you think God still wants his people to know his will? Do you think God still wants his people to hear him clearly? Then why wouldn't he still use dreams and visions? He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost and continues to be fulfilled Today And Peter said, this is that. This is what God was talking about. And God said plainly on that day and still plainly to us today, your, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. And listen, it's not a function of age or gender. He's simply saying, I am going to communicate with my people through spiritual dreams and visions. Amen? Amen. All right, so listen to me. Not every dream is a spiritual dream. Y'all already figured that out for yourself, didn't you? Because y'all thinking, God wasn't nowhere around some of that crazy mess I dreamed last night, okay? Not every dream is a spiritual dream. So let's don't go crazy now and, and hear this message and then start thinking every dream we dream is a message from the Lord. Because sometimes the message is, Quit eating Taco Bell after 10 o'clock at night. The message might just be quitting Taco Bell, but that's, a, that's another conversation 
So not every dream is a spiritual dream. Here's another thing to keep in mind. Not everybody is going to hear from God in dreams and visions all the time. Not everybody hears the same way. What I have, what I've seen in 45 years of walking with the Lord is, is that God tends to speak to people in ways to which they are attuned. So he knows what you're listening for and he does his best to speak to you in those ways. So some people hear him in dreams, some people don't or haven't. I know people who have spiritual dreams a lot. Valerie has had spiritual dreams. And as a matter of fact, our lives were changed forever because of a spiritual dream that she had. And I'll I'll tell you about that in, in a few minutes. On the other hand, I'm not sure I have ever had a spiritual dream. Or if I have, I slept through it and didn't remember it, okay? I'm not sure. But listen, God's got thousands of ways to speak to people. So don't get all in a knot if this hasn't been your way. But don't eliminate the possibility that he hasn't spoken to you like that because you never considered that a means of communication. And maybe he has spoken to you that way and you just weren't listening. So I hope that this message helps to change that today because I don't know about you, but if God wants to say something to me, I want to hear it no matter how it is he's choosing to say it. All right? So when you look at Scripture, there are four purposes that appear uh, for dreams and visions. I'm not saying they're the only ones, but I'm saying these four appear over and over again. And, and this is the four purposes, and we're going to talk about that uh, right now. So four purposes of dreams and visions. They provide comfort. They provide direction, they provide protection, and or information. And they can be used for, for more than one, one of these or more than one of these all at the same time. Comfort, direction, protection, and or information. So we're going to look at the dreams from the Christmas account, and we're going to see the purposes, and we're also going to watch for the affirmation and the confirmation. Okay, We're going to dive in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we'll dive in and spend the most time with this one because you'll start seeing the pattern real quickly because y'all are smart. Uh, Verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. How do you break an engagement quietly? That's the question Joseph's struggling with. And he considered, as he considered this, so he's still trying to make his decision, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. You're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay? Now, what were the purposes in that dream? The first purpose was to bring Joseph comfort. Joseph was hurting. Joseph was struggling. This was a really big deal. His fiance's pregnant. He knows the baby's not his. He doesn't know what to do. He he does know it's going to be a huge scandal. And so, but he still loved her. And he didn't know what he needed to do. But he wanted to do it right because he's a good man. The angel in the dream provided him with some comfort and just said, Joseph, it's okay. It's okay. In the midst of a disturbing situation, I want you to know it's going to be okay. I've had people tell me, many, many people have told me over the years that they have been concerned about some particular situation in their lives. And God gave them a dream to let them know that it was going to be okay. It brought comfort to them because they recognized the voice of the Lord through that means of communication. 
What other purpose did this dream serve for Joseph? It gave him direction. God told him that he was to go through with his, with his uh, engagement and his marriage to Mary. He'd been struggling with that decision, right? Didn't know what to do. He loved her. He was confused. He was perplexed. He, but he, and he wanted to do it right. So God gave him clear direction. When you're struggling with a decision, God may use a dream. If you're open to it, he may use a dream to give you clear direction about what to do or how to do it. The dream also gave him information. God said to Joseph, when this baby is born, you're to name him Jesus because his conception is of the Holy Spirit. He will save the Jewish people from their sins. It was information that he could not have known any other way. He, he did not know, and it was that information was clearly important to this decision-making process. So all of that, that's how God is communicating all of that with Joseph through this dream. Now, what about confirmation? Was this confirmed? Well, the fact that Joseph had, had not already divorced Mary tells you that he was considering going through with the marriage, that he just didn't know what to do. And, and maybe he was even leaning that way. So it confirmed what he was already sensing that he should do. But what about affirmation from the scripture? Let's keep reading. The very next verse where we left off, Matthew 1, verse 22 says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive. She'll give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. It was right there in the scripture, affirmed by the scripture, but it took the, it took the dream to reveal it to Joseph. It, it took the dream to put it all together for him, and it took the dream to give him the comfort and the courage that he needed to carry it out. Is God not incredible that he knows exactly how to speak, exactly what, he, what Joseph needed to carry out God's will in his life, and there's no reason to believe that God is not, is not eager to do any less for us. And he may very well use a dream to do it. So let's keep looking. This time in this passage, the, the very next dream, this time with the Magi, the wise men, in Matthew 2 and 12. Here's the next dream in the Christmas passage. When it was time to leave, so the wise men had come from the east. They brought gifts of gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh. It was time for them to go. Herod the king had said, when you find Jesus, come back to me and let me know where he is. It was time for them to leave, but they returned to their own country a different way because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So it's right there. What's the, what purpose did this one serve? Well, it gave them direction. God told them exactly which way to go, or at least which way not to go. Now, it, because, because they, they, he, they had no idea. They could not have known that they couldn't trust the king's intention. It also served as protection. Maybe, the, maybe when they got back to the king and they had, they had given him all the information he needed, maybe he would have killed them. But at the very least, we know it was protection for the Christ child because King Herod was not planning to go worship Jesus. He was planning to go kill him. And so this dream literally saved the life of Jesus. Now, there's a, the dreams continue in the very next verse. Another example of protection and information and direction. Verse 13, chapter 2 of Matthew. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
Joseph could not have known there was a plot to kill Jesus. He could not have known they were in danger. He did not know where they should go to be safe. And that dream provided all of that. Is this making sense? Is everybody okay? All right. Now let's look at the affirmation in the next two verses. Let's just keep reading. Verses 14 and 15. Why did, why did Joseph have to go? Is this of God? Should he go to Egypt? That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the, mother, uh, with, the chi- with the child and Mary, his mother. They stayed there till Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Two more times, you keep reading, two more times in that chapter, Joseph got dreams from the Lord that helped him to make the right decisions for his brand new little family. Listen, men, ladies, whether you're single or whether you have a family, you need the the voice of the Lord speaking to you to know how to run your family, how to run your life. I don't know if you've noticed this, but adulting is hard. Y'all notice that? Adulting's hard. It, it's, there, there are decisions that you have to make that you don't know how you're going to make them. There are challenges that you face that you don't know how you're going to meet those challenges. But, but God has a plan, and God has a voice, and God wants to speak, but you have to be willing to listen to him in the ways that he is speaking to you. And dreams and visions are among the ways that Jesus speaks. Now, why does he use dreams and visions? I think he does it to bypass our conscious minds. Some of us are hard to deal with when we're awake. Right? I, I, I think sometimes he, he waits till we get to sleep so he can bypass our self-imposed opinions and prejudices and limitations, our misunderstandings, our objections. If he can catch us asleep, then with our defenses down, it's much easier to communicate. You've heard the scripture, and it's, it's a little hard to know exactly what the Lord means, but he says deep, deep calls out to deep. And sometimes we have to get the shallow out of the way in order to give him access to the deep, right? So let me show you a non-Christmas example, but this is a, an example of a vision in the life of the apostle Peter, but I think you're going to see what I'm talking about here. So Acts chapter 10, verse 9. <clears throat> The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, you'll understand what that means in a minute, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He didn't fall asleep, okay? He wasn't hungry and sleepy. He, he, he's having a vision. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. And Peter said, no, Lord. So apparently, uh, even when he's asleep, Peter's still a little argumentative. All right. So he said, no, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again and said, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. The vision repeated three times. The sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. He was confused. What could that vision mean? Just then, the the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked, so they knock on the door and they say, is there a man named Simon Peter staying here? Meanwhile, Peter's still puzzling over what the vision was. The Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, go with them without any hesitation. Complete strangers, by the way. Don't worry, I've sent them. 
So Peter got up, went downstairs, said, I'm the man you're looking for. Now, why are you here? <laughs> and they said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout, he's devout and God-fearing, well-respected by the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. God spoke to Peter in a vision so that he could give him information that would change his perspective because Peter had this preconceived idea. All the Jews did this preconceived notion about the Gentiles that God needed to fix. And he chose to do it through a vision. Now, could, could this be affirmed with scripture? Of course it could, because it's always been the, the plan and the will of God to bring the Gentiles into the covenant. Was it confirmed by other means? Absolutely. Not only did the Holy Spirit confirm it to Peter immediately, but as soon as the vision finished, these messengers showed up downstairs at the right house, knocked on the door, asked for Peter by name, and invited him to come preach to the Gentiles, and suddenly everything made sense. It all lined up. It all served to confirm that God was doing something new. And he gave him the courage and the comfort to carry it out. I do want you to notice one thing, though. Peter was confused at first. He had this vision. He knew exactly what had happened in the vision. He'd had no idea what it meant. He didn't understand it at all until the, the next events unfolded. So I want, you to, I want you to hear me. You don't have to know what it means immediately. Just because you have a spiritual dream or vision and you know, and I think you get a sense, right? When you wake up or when you, when you are not having the vision anymore, you have this sense that God's saying something even if you don't know what he's saying. And it's okay. It's okay. Just stay open. Just, just remember what's, what went on. Even if you have to write it down or type it up or make yourself a note, then when the confirmation comes, it'll all make sense. Or if it doesn't come, you will have saved yourself from doing the wrong thing. Because listen, God's not afraid of confirmation. He, he's not afraid of your need to be sure that it's him. As long as we are willing to move when he's confirmed himself. Okay? So this is, this, I know this is different. But I think it's important. I think it's important for all of us to be open to all of the ways that God wants to speak. And here's how I'd like to close, if it's okay. Y'all come on and, and play, whoever's going to play. Um, in late December 2015, um, Valerie and I were here in the sanctuary for the, we were hosting the shop with a cop parent bank, banquet. And uh, Lieutenant Blaine Cochran from Bremen Police Department was speaking that night. Real quickly he was speaking, and I honestly don't even know why he said the things he said but he, well, I do now, but he was talking real briefly about the need for foster parents in Harrelson County. And he could have said that in any county, in any state, in the country, because it's, it's, it's an incredible need. So um, we heard him. Valerie and I really didn't even talk about it. We, it's not anything new. Later that month, Valerie had a dream that she had a baby. A baby. Um, a baby. And it was a really big baby boy, um, really too big to be considered a baby. And so, y'all, listen, um, our reaction to her dreaming about having a baby was not to fall on our knees and seek, and seek spiritual application. It was more like, the devil is a lie. 
something like that. Like, I, I rebuke that. And, you know, we, we just like, I don't know what that was. That was not God. We ain't, we ain't having no babies. Because if I can be tasteful here, it was a uh, medical and physical impossibility for us. Okay? Like, that ain't going to happen. Okay? So, over the course of, we just, we just played it off. We laughed. She laughed. I laughed. It was great. And, and we just went on with our lives. Well, over the course of the next month, she had the same dream at least two more times. Now, now it starts getting kind of irritating because you're having the same dream. So you, you're starting to get the sense that maybe God's trying to say something. What is he trying to say? Absolutely no idea. Seemed odd, seemed probably spiritual, had no clue what it meant. A few days after the third dream, Valerie was, was praying between services. We, not praying about the dream. She was just right there in her chair, but she was kneeling down. She was praying. It was between services. We were just praying. Some of the, some of the prayer team was here. We were just praying for the church, praying for the services. And, um, and, and George Ann Muse came and sat down beside Valerie, just put her hand on her. They're just praying. There's no lightning. There's no thunder. Nothing, nothing crazy happened. They're just praying in agreement with whatever God's saying. And I see George Ann. I'm not even over there. I'm just, I wander. I'm too ADD to, <laughs> to not. So I just wander. And, and I saw George Ann lean over and tell her something. I had no idea what she said. But, but when George Ann said what she said, Everything fell into place for Valerie. She, she understood what the dreams were about. George Ann leaned over and said, don't think I'm crazy. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to tell you that y'all are going to adopt. That's how a new child was going to come to our house. And that's why it wasn't a little baby. She, she told me about it. She told me that she felt like we were supposed to foster. She told me that she felt like one day we were going to adopt. Now, was it confirmed? Yeah. I had always thought that we should foster because I knew of the need having been in the school system and having been in ministry. I knew of the need. Um, but it was one of those guys, gentlemen, you will understand this. I had already thought it, but I was afraid to tell her that. Y'all know what I'm saying. Don't act like y'all don't get scared of your wife too. I was just like, God, if you... If you want us to do that, you got to tell her that yourself. I ain't doing it because I'm a chicken. So, uh, so I just like, God, that's in your hands. So it, it, didn't, it didn't come out of nowhere for me. Also, when Zach had just come home from the military, was getting started in his post-military career, uh, Morgan was a senior in high school. We knew that she wasn't going to hang around for, for very much longer after that. So it seemed like the timing made sense. So it, it, I, we saw everything starting to come together. Now, was it affirmed by Scripture? Was this something crazy? James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their time of need. That was pretty clear. Matthew 25.35, we talked about this last week in a different context, but Jesus said, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. So it seemed pretty clear. So fast forward to May of this year. We closed our home to foster care after four years and eight kids because we adopted our two daughters. And our one big, very much not a baby boy. And that's, and, and here's what Valerie and I both know. We know we were called to this. We know we were called to this. Not just because of what the word says, 
but because of what the Lord said in the dreams that she had. And in those moments when things get hard, and if you've, if you've fostered, you know, when the, at some point the honeymoon's over, and you're like, what have we done? Um, because you've got strangers in your house, and you don't know them, and they don't know you, and you don't know what they need. And, and even if you do, you don't always know what to do for it, and it's, it's hard. And in those moments where we have that what have we done experience, we can rest assured and we go back to those moments when we knew that's what God said. Because without that, it'd be hard to keep going and keep doing what God calls you to do. So listen, John, how can I hear from God? You have to have ears to hear. You have to be listening in the first place. But you also have to recognize it when he speaks. And part of that is in recognizing the ways that he speaks. And one of those ways, or two of those ways, is dreams and visions. Okay? So listen. Calm down. We're going to have an altar call. It's not going to be weird. I'm not calling everyone to the front for foster care. Okay? I'm not calling everybody and trying to prophesy a vision to you or a dream to you. Here's what I want you to do. I know that every one of us has, a, uh, that God has a plan for all of us. Do you believe that? He's got a plan for you. Not just for me, for you. I need to hear it. Like, I need to know <laughs> what I'm supposed to be doing on the daily. And you do too. I face decisions. And you do too. And we need to know what God is saying. And so here's my heart for you is that you don't cut yourself off from one means of communication that God may be using to tell you what you need to do. Okay? I'm going to ask you to stand. So we're going to pray. And I'm honest, I'm just going to pray that God will open us up to however he wants to speak. If you'd like to come to the altar, when I start to pray, you come on. You can come now if you want to. If you want me or somebody else to pray with you, just come and stand at the altar, and I'll join you as soon as I can. If you'd like to be left alone, then you come and kneel, and nobody will bother you. Okay? That's how we'll, that's how we'll do it. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. Thank you that you communicate to us. Thank you that you love us too much to just leave us hanging. You didn't just save us and just send us out and say, good luck with that, I'll see you in heaven. You, you stay in constant communication because you, you've promised never to leave us and never forsake us. And So I thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you're with us, and that you're not here and silent, but you're speaking. And I pray that you help us to learn to hear what you're saying. You are the good shepherd, and your word says that, you, that, that we as your sheep will know your voice. And I pray that you help us to develop that. God, help us to hear it. Help us to know it when you say it so that we can build our lives on it, so that we can drive up a stake in our lives and go, and we can come back to that moment and say, this is when God said this, and I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right. I'm going to keep going on the path that he set me on because that's what he sent me to do. God, I just pray that you help us to be open to hearing your voice today. Say to us what you need to say in whatever means you need to communicate with us because we are desperate to hear your voice. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. 
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.